Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's Stephen Mark coming at you from the PBSC podcast today. It's good to be with everybody today. Um, we've got a really cool topic today that we've based on a uh, response from a, a spouse in recovery uh, that we wanted to kind of tackle. We've hit on this topic a, a few times in the last couple of months, but we're wanting to t- kind of take a little bit different of an approach today with it. So we'll we'll read this really quick. Uh, it is a little lengthy, and then we'll get right into things. So here's the situation. Uh, my husband is in early recovery from from his sex addiction which he has kept very well hidden for years. We had our most recent D-Day six months ago, at which time he swore that I knew everything and he was working on changing. I was seeing a CSAT. For those of you who don't know, that's a certified sex addiction therapist. That's the credentials that I have for betrayal trauma. And he was seeing a therapist who specialized in relationship issues and infidelity. Not my choice. Then I discovered two months ago that he was still acting out out the entire time and his addiction actually ran much deeper than I originally thought. He was finally he he has finally accepted that he's a sex addict after listening to SA meeting SA meeting tapes. SA stands for Sexaholics Anonymous. For those who don't know, SA meeting tapes, and he has started seeing a CSAT. My question is, how long until I see any real change in his behaviors? I have over ten years clean and a twelve step fellowship myself, and I understand recovery doesn't happen overnight. But he is still only checking boxes, quote unquote, and now and not going above and beyond as I as I guess I expect him to in order to save our marriage. How long until I can know that he's actually changing? He is a master manipulator and has shown me he is capable of looking me straight in the eye while I am breaking down and flat out lying to me. How long until I know he's actually stopped? Or maybe I'm putting unrealistic expectations on him to do a complete 180 in a matter of months. For context, he says I can look at his phone whenever. We do weekly Thanos check-ins. That just is an acronym for the ways that some people do check-ins in recovery. We both have CSATs. Uh, no disclosure yet, though. I have access to all of his social media, etc. But we all know that there are ways around all of this for him to still lie. Your podcast has helped me immensely throughout these past months, and I would really be interested in hearing your thoughts on this. Uh, wow. All right. Yeah. So, you know, as you hear all that, it, uh, it tweaks stuff inside of me because mm. I remember when I was in the place that she's describing about her spouse. Yeah. Now, the thing about all this is this has much more to do with evidence than it does a time frame. Yeah. Now, obviously, timelines are important, 
right? We do need to have some way to measure kind of how things are progressing, but they only, they're only good to a, to a certain point. Yes. You know, I remember there was, and this is, you know, this is true for, I don't Steve, you can comment on this, but I got to tell you, if I look back over the last 20 years of doing this, the number of guys that I could count who came to me and said, Mark, you know, I've realized that uh, my life is out of control and this has just got to stop. I'm totally serious. I'm in with all, you know, with both feet and they go forward and they're completely transparent, vulnerable and, and never lie again. And everything's awesome. How many of those have you had? <laughs> <laughs> not, not as many as I would like. That's for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I certainly didn't. I did not fit that uh, utopia profile I just uh, described. Yeah. I was, uh, recovery for me was a gradual process because first I was in denial. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I really started to make steps was because of all of the external pressure. Uh, a primary one of those in my life was religious pressure and religious shame. It brought me to a place where I started, you know, going through the motions and checking the boxes. And, uh, and then I was kind of half in half out. I had good sobriety and good success. And then I would get complacent and think I got this and then think, you know, okay, enough of that. I can go back to living quote, a normal life. And then I would fall off, you know, I'd fall off the track. And then after great misery for me and my wife, I'd get back on And it took a fair while before I finally, and here's the key of my own willingness, my own desires, where I said inside of Mark, I am so sick of this old way of living and all of this crap. I am now serious about this. I am doing this for me. I'm doing this because I want to. I'm doing this because it's just, I'm just simply all in. Mm-hmm. It took a fair while of ups and downs and roller coaster rides for me to finally get to that place. Yes. But once I got to that place, you could see in the evidence of my behaviors, the way I talked, what I did, how I approached life, my attitude, you could see the change. And my wife will tell you today that she could see when I made that transition. Mm. And so, you know, we were going to, we're going to talk today about what that looks like. How do you know as a spouse that you can see the evidence? What is he doing? What is he not doing? What does it look like? Right? Yeah. No, I love that. And and this is a great topic. And and we're going to answer this to our our listener. We're going to answer this in a little bit different way than probably you're asking, right? I know that your question kind of was oriented around like timeframes, you know, like how long and and things like that. And I I, I think that the approach we're going to take with this today is kind of building off, Mark, what you said is it, it obviously time is what determines consistency to a point. But there is so much more to this than just the time piece, because as, as this listener already indicated, right, it's very easy to check boxes. What you want to be looking for is there is, is the upward momentum, I would say, is what comes to mind for me, right? And the not just the consistency, but like the, the deep, the constant deepening of the process. Like, like I don't care. And, and we talk about this oftentimes on this program, as well as our dare to connect program for couples. Um, you know, the trajectory of where a person's recovery is heading is what contributes the most to the safety of a relationship. It isn't, it is, it is much, much less to do with like any one objective level. When a, when a spouse is 
for example, when an addict is doing three out of the seven things, then we can feel safe, right? <laughs> That's not how we usually measure this process. What it is, is it's where is the relationship yesterday as opposed to where it is today, as opposed to where it's looking to pace tomorrow, right? That's couples ships. We work in, in our offices all the time with couples that start in a very, very bad place, but who we have the all the hope in the world for because of the sincerity and because of the dedication and because of the level of willingness, right? Uh, that is put forth on the part of, among other things, on the part of the addict, right? Adopting an attitude of, you know, there's a phrase in 12-step that that gets thrown around a lot, and it came to mind as we were tackling this topic this morning. If it is to be, it is up to me. I remember when I heard that for the first time in a 12-step meeting years and years and years ago. And and it and it's, cute little, it's a cute little kind of rhymey thing, but it, it really resonates in the sense of what should really be looked for in terms of characteristics, and that's where I think we're going to go on the podcast today in terms of things that you ought to be looking for from a spouse that will help to delineate between, you know, that master manipulator, check the box piece versus real change. Um, I think that if we give you some, some characteristics and attributes for all of you spouses to be looking for and for your addicts to be emulating and looking to, um, that's going to be much more helpful than discussing timeframes. Well, and I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you one of the, one of the biggest things that if, if my wife were sitting here right with us, she would tell you when she noticed, when she could see that Mark was really finally serious and it was this concept of ownership, mm -hmm. right? This, I will stand up and own my actions and my inactions, right? It's all, uh, it's up to me. But what I did for the longest time is I would be, I was reactive in my recovery. I would wait for her to get upset or, yeah. you know, frustrated and to push me and to remind me. And, you know, I could, I could sense her energy. And when I could sense that she was starting to lose her patience, I would gear my seriousness and my dedication in recovery based on her moods. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, crap. She, I can tell she's starting to get a little bit impatient here. Okay, Mark, you better up your game. And then when she would be okay, I would slack off. And so it was very much dependent on her, right? This, this, this whole concept of an external force or pressure or whatever that drives me where I'm at. You can know that somebody's gotten really serious about recovery and they're really getting into the space when it's internal, Right. And, and what, what, my, what my wife will tell you is the day that she was like, hallelujah, you know, God, they're, they're right. Things are actually have some hope. Mark is leading out. Yes. I never thought I would see the day. Mm -hmm. Totally. Because <laughs> I was very passive and reactive in my approach to this. I'd wait for people to put on the external pressure and then I would respond. But then she saw that I started leading out. I started volunteering things. I started taking steps on my own. I started being preemptive. Hey, you know what? We're going to be at the we're going to be at the beach on vacation next week. Can I talk to you about a plan for that cuz I feel really scared about being vulnerable when we get in that environment. Mm -hmm. Like holy crap, did he just bring that up himself? So this whole concept of, is he starting to lead out? Is he being proactive or are you playing, still playing mommy or babysitter or policewoman or enforcer or reminder or what have you? Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I, I think of this concept and, 
and what that looks like, like you, Mark, I mean, I think most of us, we do gradually kind of buy into this. It's, it isn't an overnight process. And that's why I think staying away from timeframes is so important because we recognize that, you know, our listeners here, they have a wide spectrum of backgrounds that they come from. I'm working with a couple right now where we are on year four, I believe, of therapy. Um, pretty intense, almost weekly therapy for the most part. Mm. And 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 the gentleman that I'm working with, well, both partners to be fair, but but the gentleman that I'm working with, the the former addict, has actually been sober for quite some time, but comes from a household and a home where uh, concepts like vulnerability and connectedness, anything having to do with really emotional presence, to be honest, uh, was not only not uh, modeled for him, but in its place was actually a lot of emotional abuse and manipulation. It was punished. Right? Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. It was punished. It was unsafe to be that way. Mm-hmm. And 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 so look, working with him has been a really interesting experience. And he's not the first, nor will he be the last guy like this. I can resonate a lot with his position, but. His progress has been very slow, and it has been picking up over the last year, especially and particularly the last couple of months. But I know that it was a long, frustrating process. And from an external standpoint, uh, you know, if you're not really, if if we were looking at this from strictly a time frame, statistical place, one might be discouraged by his progress. But when you take into account his complete background and you look at the little changes that happen over time, that's what's given me hope as a therapist working with him to the point where he's at now, which is making awesome, amazing strides. He and his wife, they're doing incredible things. Well, um, you did say something important though. It sounds like he's had sobriety for quite some time. He has. Absolutely. So uh, he had sobriety actually before he ever even came to me. But the Oh, he was, was so he was sober before he even came to you. But see, here's the point is the marriage was even though he wasn't acting out. So in other words, the symptom was gone. The cancer, so to speak, was still very active. Right. Right. right? All of the underpinning things were still <clears throat> still happening. And, and the marriage was in a very, very bad place. And what has I want to because his- I want to make sure that, you know, as we're expressing all this, I can just. I can just sense some of the spouses out there and the addicts, because I know my brain would have picked up on this. Oh, so Mark <laughs> and Steve are saying time frames are really not important. And so if I continue to slip and relapse and, you know, go up and down in that, and that kind of goes on for months and years, that's just to be expected. Oh yeah. No, let's, let's just snip that in the bud right now. No, <laughs> I, that's, that's not the case at all. Right. Every situation is different, but, and see, this is, you gotta let me get to my punchline, Mark. See, this is this is, the, this is the key part, right? Is is this idea that you know what I've been able to observe as a therapist, and what's kept me hopeful with him is his has been his sincerity when he's been willing, right, to to pick up and to utilize tools, even if he did a terrible job at using them, right, doing his very best. I mean, I've I have seen multiple times in my office where I have given a guy tools to use sometimes to the point, like with a guy like this, I've, I've given tools like this, where we will actually put the steps of how to talk to your wife or how to make an amends to your wife, like down on a card. Yeah. And I will, and I've had clients literally read that to his, to their, to their wives, right? Because this idea of how to make an amends or to be, how to be accountable is so foreign to them. And I have seen spouses just break down in tears in response to that in a good way. Not because he's doing a good job, but because he's just doing the very best of he's doing his sincere best to change. 
right? It's that trajectory is moving upwards. He's he's he doesn't have the skill sets, but his willingness, his willingness to get uncomfortable, his willingness to be vulnerable, his willingness to stretch into the unknown is incredible. Right? He's he's there's this guy, you know, handshaking, trying to read off this card and say the right amends for the first time because it's just a totally for some of you, this may be really hard to reference from. This is a very extreme case, but there, but but there are many people out there where, you know, being able to practice accountability on this level, something that they should have been taught, you know, when they were before ten years old, you know, and how to make amends and say I'm sorry and apologize was never taught or modeled. To see a guy make that step for the first time is incredible, and that's where the magic I think happens in this process. Right, is when. There are those sincere steps moving forward. Wherever he's, wherever a guy started, it's moving towards this space of I am going to take these things on, and I am going to probably screw them up, but I'm going to do my very best, and I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to dust myself off, and like you said, Mark, I'm not going to be reactive in this process anymore. I'm going to take the lead and do my very best to lead out in this marriage and in my family to one, own my actions or inactions, right? The causes that led up to them. I'm going to shoulder the emotional accountability for my acts of betrayal. And I am going to do everything that I can to work to, I like the term, I'm going to work to do everything that I can to shield my wife and my children, if that's relevant, from further consequences and damage, right? Yeah. From 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 that emotional acid rain that I've been really spreading on my family for however long. Yeah, because, you know, I, and I don't know where this guy that's being described here is at. Uh, there's a couple of possibilities. I mean, one uh, possibility, and I can recognize it, is that he is, quote, doing all the right things. He's with a CSAT now. He's given open access of his phone to his wife, so he's an open book. She can check all of his social media you know, it appears that he's just saying, okay, I'm putting it all out on the table and I'm not, I'm no longer going to try to hide or manipulate or whatever. I hope that that's the case. <clears throat> I know for me, I was really good for a long time at, uh, how would I describe it? Um, carefully setting the stage so that all of the actors were in place, all the props were where they needed to be, all the scenery was perfect. I wanted to make sure that anyone looking in on me would see exactly what they wanted to see. I was just crazy good at making it all look perfect. But boy, inside myself, I was not. My intention and my, you know, my internal self was not at the place that, that the external props looked like I was. So I don't know which it is for this guy. I'm hoping that he's just finally saying, look, no more secrets, no more hiding. What you see is what you get, right? I'm opening myself fully. Well, yeah. I mean, in this, in that particular case, it's, it's, uh, it, it is a, it's been a long time coming just to even recognize what, what feelings were right. And what was being concealed. It, it is, a, it is a pretty extreme case, but 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 the point I'm trying to make with it, right, has less to do with the with the with the single case. It has much more to do just with this overall trajectory, mm-hmm. right? It's this idea because that is what that is what you know. If we're going back to the original question here by this by our poster, it's you know how do I how do I know I can trust him? 
when I see, when you see him consistently leading into the pain, I mean, really, if we were to simplify this as much as possible, when you see him work in into the uncomfortable and and sincerely making changes, and if he if he messes up, he immediately takes ownership of it and and does something different the next day, right? If he has a relapse, for example, he he does something more than just well, I'll just do better next time. Right, he comes up with a plan and he presents it to you, and he's reaching out to a sponsor, and he's he's gotten in with a good therapist, right? Who's giving giving good feedback, and he's right, he's he's making every effort to really make that change. It it comes back so much to this again, this proactivity that you mentioned, right? Of of I'm 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 done living my recovery in this reactive, reparative, damage control state. I'm working. I'm I'm done doing damage control, and I'm now working to build. Right, I'm working to build something, not to not to manage the the chaos or manage the damage or manage the hard, but I'm working to build the good, and the positive and the safe. Right, I'm looking to either repair and and recreate, or in many cases, for a lot of these couples, for a lot of you listening, I'm looking to create that space maybe for the first time. Mm-hmm. And and that's and I think that for me, that's where. That's where I think the rubber meets the road on a topic like this. I think it, and I think I bring up this example because he he would not fit that typical maybe trajectory mold of recovery. But I am so glad that he and and his spouse have not given up on the process because for him and for probably a lot of guys out there to some degree or another, really recovering is in many way in many ways means bringing out the authentic self for a lot of these guys in some cases for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It isn't just a re- recovery is almost a misnomer because in many ways it's a, it's a covery. I don't know what you'd call yeah, it. It's you're not, not a re- recovery. Yeah, you're not recovering something. You're, you're, you're developing something that never existed. It, it was never there. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, what you're describing and, and maybe if guys are listening and even spouses, there, there's a, you can just sense a kind of a humility Yes. It's it's where a guy is he kind of comes he kind of comes broken. He's just kind of broken and and open and he just says I'm so sick and tired of trying to do this my way. The manipulations and the strategizing and the covering and the looking good and checking boxes and saying what you want to hear. I'm so done with all that. I'm just a broken man coming to you with just willingness. Yeah. And you can feel that. You can. you can sense when a guy's gotten to that place because again, he becomes just totally willing mm-hmm. you can feel the willingness and the openness, right. And the vulnerability. I'm scared yes. to death that I'm just going to keep betraying you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I can overcome this, but I want you to know, I'm going to give it like, I'm going to give it everything right to do whatever yeah. it takes. And then he yes. shows that he's willing to do that by the, by the behaviors he's engaging in on a daily basis, right? He goes to his 12-step meetings. You, can, you know that he's, making, he's having phone calls daily with his sponsor, right? You can see that he's carrying out the assignments that were given him by his CSAT, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's leading out. Even and if in, that's not working, right? If that's not working, then he's practically changing it, right? And saying, hey, yeah. this just isn't resonating anymore. I'm going to do that. I mean, I just to give, like you said, for those, for those men who are listening to this podcast, we hope that you're being doing the smart thing and tuning into it. 
there are very few wives that I work with right now that would not like have an emotional aneurysm if their spouse came to them one day and said, you know, I'm doing these things, these strings, these three things for recovery today. But I just over the last week, I just have been kind of being present with it. And I'm not really seeing that's pushing me in the way that I want to. So I'm going to do these three things different. I just wanted to keep you in the loop. I just wanted to keep you in the loop. I, I, uh, every spouse that I work with would just like drop on their hands and knees in terms of just like from shock. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know? Right. Not asking you to do anything, but just wanted to let you know. I'm just right? keeping you in the loop. I'm just, making changes and I'm leading out in this process. I mean, yeah, know? I love that. Yeah. And, for sure. and, and so there's, it's just kind of that whole idea, right? Of this. And I love what you said, Mark. I think most, most people who are on this podcast can are listening, even when you do are married to like a master manipulator, there are some elements of this process that again, are just very difficult to fake. Um, I, 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 I'm a master manipulator. I had lots of experience doing that. I know what it's like to attend a 12 step meeting every day, but just play angry birds on my phone during the whole thing. I know what it's <laughs> like to, I know what it's like to journal and to like just copy and paste different parts from different past days and mix and match it. So it looks unique, right? I know what it's, I could just go on and on and on with the ways in which, which we've done that. But I think most of us have been married to a spouse for long enough that we can pick up, like you said, on that humility. Yes. Right. There's a big difference between, uh, that, that perpetual defensiveness that follows an addict versus that openness and that vulnerability and that transparency. Yep. You can feel it. You, you, like you said, it can't be faked. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many times did we as addicts, I, I remember I do this multiple times with my wife. Look, I'm being transparent. Damn it. Like get off my back. Like, geez, like <laughs> gosh, right. How ironic is that statement? Hey, I'm being vulnerable with you. Like what the freak do you want from me? Yeah, that's really vulnerable. <laughs> right. That's really transparent. You can tell I'm clearly emotionally regulating well right there, right? Yeah. So um, a big part of this is you can see that you can see the guy stepping out of victim mentality. He's stepping out of blaming or or minimizing or justifying or rationalizing. Right. He's letting go of all of these things to just say, I am just all in to do what it takes. And he's not placing the burden any longer on his spouse. He's taking the, you know, the big backpack of boulders and saying, sweetheart, I'll carry this. Yes. I'm ready to carry this load up the hill. Mm-hmm. And you can just, you just sense it. You can, you can just, and it isn't, and it's, and, and look guys, this doesn't mean perfection. It means progress. You may, you may finally take that backpack and carry it genuinely for real. And you stumble and fall on your freaking face and your knees are bloodied and your face is bloodied. And you're like, gal, I'm not doing this very well, but I'm trying. I, I'm trying and I'm not going to stop trying. Yes. That's what it's about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we could obviously pontificate on yeah, this you all can day. Tell we're but, passionate about this one. <laughs> but yeah, but this is that's that's where I think uh, hopefully you hopefully you spouses take that from today, right? It's it's all about connecting in that way. And then also, of course. I, we can't emphasize this enough. It's important that you're doing your own work too, so that you can recognize that vulnerability and that transparency when it happens. Because obviously your own betrayal, if it's unregulated and if you're not addressing it, makes this very hard, right? To be able to determine you need to be doing that work, not to fix him. We need to take all the effort off of fixing him and put it into working, working on yourself, right? So that you can be present and engaged and connected and have enough of, of an awareness and presence to be able to not let that trauma come in and interfere with that uh, ability to, to read those things. 
So, right. Good point. Yeah. At any rate. So, yeah, I think that would be the, uh, I mean, for all the guys listening out there, I think that would be the, the assignment, right. To take kind of the substance of this is, you know, what is, what is one way that I can take this to a proactive level? I've got to really, really, I mean, I, you want to have, obviously there are so many factors involved. Again, this time piece is so hard to evaluate, but I think that would be the homework is every guy listening to this ought to be eliminating the reactive component to this. That part should be able to, one should be able to stamp out, I think fairly quickly or begin to work on pretty quickly, right? If you're really sincere about recovery, then it really comes, it's pretty simple guys. You're going to be leading out and, and moving on it on your own accord. And if you struggle to find the motivation because of lack of self-worth or confidence, we're not, insensitive to those things, then you need to immediately own those things and be proactive in those. But there, but it is not, it no longer can be an excuse just to say, well, I just don't see myself as worth enough. So I, you know, we've got to break out of that cycle on some level, guys, you have to start where you're at. It's not to minimize those or say those aren't important, but that's, that's the, that's the next step, right? Is, is at least on a very, at a bare minimum, eliminating that victimness wherever it is. And saying, I'm going to shoulder this thing, you know, and I, I don't even know how to shoulder it yet. I'm just going to do my very best starting today and and keep making consistent progress. So. Yep. Love it. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, being on PBSE today with us. And we'll look forward to uh, to our next session. Yep. Awesome. Have a great day, everybody. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.